0: In the name of the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, amen. Probably to no one's surprise, in this gospel scene, we encounter a somewhat cryptic Jesus. The Pharisees and Herodians go to Jesus and ask, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor? or not. Their question is a trap and Jesus knows it. If Jesus says yes, the Pharisees, the leaders of the temple, will denounce him as a heretic for disobeying God's teachings. If he says no, the Herodians, Jewish allies of the Roman Empire will have him arrested for sedition. The two groups know that they can't accomplish his arrest without collaborating, But Jesus is no dummy. Instead of falling into their traps, he asks them to show him a denarius, the coin used to pay the tax in question. Examining the coin, Jesus asks, whose head is this, and whose title? Imagine him holding up the coin. I should have brought a prop. Holding up the coin, noticing the stamped head of Tiberius Caesar, the emperor. Almost as if for the first time. The Roman title, Caesar, of course, links him to a divinely appointed royal dynasty made to be the leader because the Roman gods decreed it, alleging that Tiberius himself is a god, and perplexing, perhaps, that the temple leaders would carry such a coin in their pockets, let alone using it in the temple. After all, doesn't Mosaic Law indicate that they're not to make graven images of gods? So Jesus is making a bold point in asking whose image is on this coin. Perhaps Unknowingly falling into the snare Jesus has set for them, they reply, the emperors. And his response to give the emperor the things that are the emperors and to God the things that are God's invites them, invites us, to find something more profound, than the Pharisees' and Herodians' question about taxes. Jesus wants us to contemplate where and with whom we put our trust, and where our faith has its foundation, in the institutions of empire and nation, or in God. I sense that Jesus hopes his statement would inspire the nations to a benevolent economic system where the hungry, the thirsty, the injured, the stranger, the poor, the sick, the imprisoned, could be cared for and not left behind to face certain death in favor of Caesar and whatever his agenda might be. To give back to Caesar his share isn't just a call to abandon earthly concerns, but it's a reminder of the division between the worldly and godly. But so often we get stuck in this murky middle ground between the two. And on our shoulders, we carry a milkmaid's yoke, trying to balance one against the other, spiritual concerns against a deep spiritual life with God at its center. I hear Jesus challenging us to discover what sort of world God wants and needs us to live in and how we might make the empires around us support that, giving to God the things that are God's. Jesus asks us which of these image better reflect God, the stamp of Caesar who favored himself to be chosen by God to lead Rome. Or do we, as beloved, beloved children of God, reflect a more authentic likeness of God into the world around us? We see God in each other, not in Rome. Maybe that gives us some clarity into his cryptic response. This distinction between those two areas is critical. We must consider which is more important, the institutions of the world, or responding to God's unique call for each of us. We can be more like Caesar and the Pharisees and Herodians, but more like Jesus. We can ally ourselves with the earthly world and its powers, concerned with politics, economics, rhetoric, and war, or we can look toward God and form a deeper relationship with the divine, one which will lead us through the entirety of our lives. And that choice is always up to us. just as coins minted by Rome had the emperor's face stamped on them. The coins in our pockets today, if I had any, with the president's faces on one side and some symbol of America or its history on the other. The United States Mint also stamps them with a familiar phrase, In God we trust. So let's consider that phrase, in God we trust. Throughout our history, Americans have latched onto this phrase again and again. In times of uncertainty and turmoil, we believe that God will get us through whatever troubles we might face. Many Americans see that God's call for us in times of crisis is to remain steadfast and persevere, even through the darkest storm, a message pretty similar to Jesus's. And I think it's important that it's phrased, in God we trust, not in Caesar not in America, not in social media or finance, not in the Department of Defense, not in the President or the Speaker of the House. Neither are governors and mayors nor capitalism and empire. We trust in God. God who shares God's loving kindness with us because we simply put our trust in God. God who will always provide for us because we are made in the image of God. We reflect God back to God's self. We, the ordinary people, not the institutions and structures imposed on us by those who wield power. We are made in God's image. Jesus reassures us that, that because we are made in God's image, God will respond to our needs, even better than Caesar will, better than the mechanisms of empire greed, and war ever could. I see Jesus' message to us in this story as a reminder of who is really going to look out for us in times of catastrophe. The leaders of so-called democracies often prioritize their own needs over the poorest among us. The apathy of power-hungry Caesars and the carelessness of capitalism affect the lives of everyday people, those living closest to the margins, especially so. But there's a fluid movement between the, the world God wants us to live in and the world we encounter today. We're always going back and forth. We dance between the two worlds, between those two sets of values, between the godly and the worldly. We look for truth in both places. We endeavor to trust both the human and the divine. We seek justice from the empire, but also from God. And that's not wrong, because we always hope that the worldly mirrors the godly, right? Truth, trust, and justice are not just human moral imperatives. They remind us of the image of God, that God has marked on us. We look for God's truth in the earthly and trust that we can find it. Our desire to act justly is a calling to build a bridge between the worldly and the godly. But so often that bridge between the two is one of those rickety suspension bridges made of fraying rope, gnarly wood, hanging over who knows what beneath. And still we have to consider that murky middle ground where we get stuck. We must pay our taxes to Caesar, according to the IRS. But God also cares, calls us to care for the image of God in ourselves, in our neighbors, and in the world around us. And sometimes that requires us to push back against the world when it's not living up to God's expectations, to care for each other in those times of crisis where we really need to trust God above all other things. Jesus teaches us in plain yet cryptic language what our principal objective is as Christians. To love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. We're called to build up God's love on earth as best we can. We're called to reflect God's values in all that we do. We're called to take responsibility for the errors of empire and to challenge others to walk with us as we pursue justice, peace, and liberation the hungry, the thirsty, the injured, the poor, the sick, the imprisoned. We're called to love God's image in each other, even when we can't see it. Like Moses, we may not see God's face, but we can recognize traces of God, and God's likeness when we look at those around us. We see God in the smile of a stranger. We hear God in the cries of the suffering and the grieving. We feel God in the warm embrace of a friend. We sense God's presence in the oppressed, in their fight for our liberation. The image of God is all around us in everything that God has created. And we can't be content to allow world leaders to continue to corrupt that creation. We must hold our modern Caesars to an ethical and godly standard, one that genuinely reflects God's presence among us, one that respects God's image within us, one that seeks to bind us together and not drive us apart. We must pray that God empowers us to build bridges and not walls, to spread love and not hatred. And we give thanks that even when it's hard, God continues to nourish us to do this difficult work, to seek justice and truth and trust in God. Because as God said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name.